Hello, everyone. Welcome to our podcast. Here we will delicately and tactfully walk through each psychological issue. Psych! This podcast is meant for entertainment purposes only. This is not intended as individual, psychological, or medical advice. Please proceed at your own risk and always defer to your individual medical or mental health care team. Basically, don't make it weird, guys. Right. (laughs) Hello, everyone, and welcome to Shit Your Shrink Thanks. Shrinks like me run round with shrinks like you to sundown. <laughs> and when I come through, I need a shrink like you. Woo woo woo. Nice. Woo woo woo. Woo woo what woo. Song woo. Is that? It's the, I mean, I think it's like Maroon 5 or whoever that dude is. Yeah. A- Adam Levine. I know, but what's the actual word though? Not shrink. I can't remember. Uh, Cause guys like oh, guys. me run round with girls, girls. Okay, like okay. you to sundown. <laughs> I come through. Very nice. I like it. I know. You're so creative. Do you f- <laughs> do you feel serenaded? I do. Okay. That's very sweet. Yeah, I know. I am very romantic. Everybody, have you do, have you noticed how in touch with my feelings I am? <laughs> Probably by now they have. Okay, so I want to start this out because I forget every single time. Just to remind you guys, we do have a Patreon. If you're really liking those sweet sweet beats, <laughs> those original beats, then. Hit us up at www.patreon.com slash shit your shrink thanks. Holy shit. I know. Shit your shrink thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Or email us shit your shrink thanks at gmail.com. So anyway, as you guys may know, we are doing the what's good segment. So I'm going to hand it over to Michaela here to tell us what's good today. Yeah. I was going to share just kind of a, a funny story. I like to use rubber gloves when I wash dishes because I've learned that it helps keep my nails from being terrible. So fresh and so clean. Yeah, yeah. And, but they still end up getting holes in them and, you know, they never last forever. So Your I, nails? Oh, the no, gloves. The gloves. Jesus. The gloves. <laughs> yes, I have holes in my hands. Oh no, oh no. <laughs> no, the gloves get holes. So I, so I bought some new ones being prepared for when the next ones got holes in them that I could replace them with new gloves. But I Mm -hmm. didn't open the packaging to, like, check it out. I was just kind of, like, waiting until I needed them to open it. Mm -hmm. And when I did, I got four left-handed gloves. (laughs) You're the Michael Jackson of dishwashing. (laughs) I think he's using the left-handed one on my right, like, backwards, and it's just kind of awkward. But I was so slow at opening my package, like, to check that I didn't – I couldn't send it back. Yeah. I wrote a review like, open your package and make sure there aren't four left-handed gloves because that happened to me. (laughs) I straight up don't open mail. Like, I don't – I get it and it goes into the void. I I think I talked about like hamburger patties and milk falling into the void. Oh, yeah. Mail goes into the same void. Like, no. I receive it. Packages, mail, gone. Just – portaled into Does your the husband ass. keep track of that stuff? I pay bills still in the mail because I'm a dinosaur. Like, uh, I literally mail checks, guys. Somebody's keeping track of something <laughs> <laughs> because I haven't been evicted yet. So <laughs> something is happening where somebody is doing mail, but don't do it's mail. Not you. Don't do mail. Okay. Yeah. Sorry about your left-handed glove and that you're the Michael Jackson of dishwashing. I know. <laughs> My what's good this week is less funny and actually just truly something that I needed to find. So Mm. 
I finally found a healthcare provider I like. Good yes. deal. Oh, man, it's been a journey. Yes. Y'all, finding a good doctor is the worst. Yeah. And I have had just buck wild gaslighting experiences with healthcare providers where I know something is going down with my body and they just, it's like they glaze over or something. Mm-hmm. I'm not really sure what's happening. And I- They assume that you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of wild because it's like, I'm a- I'm a doctor. I mean, I'm a fake doctor, but... <laughs> but you have a PhD. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I know some stuff, and they just kind of don't really take my opinion or perspective mm-hmm. pretty commonly, and I've been actually now interviewing doctors, Smart. which is something that I have recommended patients. I don't have any, like, serious, serious issues. I just want a general practitioner, and I actually have told patients to do this because it it gets to a point where if something does go wrong, you want somebody who actually listens to you, right. asks you Guys, open-ended questions. Just like we said with the therapist episode, there are bad providers in all realms. Yeah, absolutely. And I finally found somebody that she is very warm. She's very open. She explains. She listens to you. And yeah. You're your own best expert, too, guys. Mm-hmm. Yes. She explained a lot of things about medicine to me that I didn't know. She mm. was able to provide me, like, some just some research-supported facts about the conditions I have. It was really, really, really cool. That is cool. Yeah. She was a kind person. And I think a lot of us, particularly – not I think. I know the research shows that – Women end up getting diagnosed with things. It takes mm-hmm. extra time to, for them to get diagnosed with things. And then when they do get diagnosed with things, their pain or concerns are taken less seriously. And so yeah. there was like a, a really funny SNL skit where it's like, bring a man. And then it talks about it's like an app. It's like a fake app where you like <laughs> find a dude to go with you to a healthcare to a healthcare appointment. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm going to watch that. Yeah. And so it does. It feels a little bit like I need a translator or something in there half the time. And. I always think to myself, if I am having this much trouble as somebody who literally who's, works. Yeah, who's competent and able to speak clearly. Yeah. I know if you think about our all of our concerns, sometimes it's hard to explain them. And we are trained in explaining shit. Yeah, exactly. And so if you can't understand it from us. <laughs> I know. It, it is wild. And it's like, okay, so I have all this education and I have some kind of insurance what the hell is happening? How are right. people living through this? Yeah. Like, I, I honestly felt like I was talking into the void and that mm. I was basically, I was basically like in sixth sense, I was a ghost <laughs> and I didn't know it. Like, wait, am I dead? Yeah. <laughs> like, Can this whole. hear me right now? <laughs> this whole time I've been a ghost and nobody actually is aware of my existence, which makes healthcare appointments hard, really. Yeah. You know, it'd be really funny. I mean, although you already found your provider, but yeah. if you were still interviewing and it got to the point where someone like started interrupting you and just wasn't listening. Yeah. If you were just like, am I a ghost? Can you not hear me right now? <laughs> I just like start disrobing. Well, if I'm invisible, yeah. <laughs> might as well walk around naked. <laughs> I feel like nobody. It, it sucks because. I try to remain calm in these appointments. I try to kind of like keep my cool. It's really important for me not to like lose my shit. Yeah. And I feel like I try to escalate really slowly in these appointments, like just little, little bits. And by the end, you're acting like a crazy loon. And then they're like, oh, you're a crazy loon. And it's like, hey, listen, there was a reason why, mm-hmm. why I got to this point. I'm not usually like I don't just 
get you know, frustrated. Throw yeah. milkshakes at people in the middle of McDonald's when I have a little bit of distress. Like I'm not like fuck you. Like, <laughs> like I actually, it takes me a minute before I, you know, if I don't get the right change or if I got the order wrong, I'm not just like losing my mind. Right. So it's a weird, it's a really weird experience being on the other end of healthcare, and it was just a good reminder, like, hey, mm-hmm. when your patients are telling you that. They've had this wild experience with, with other this. providers. Oh, yeah. yeah. I always believe them. I'm like, I'm so sorry that your last provider was a douche nozzle. Yeah. Like. Yeah. And it happened it, like all the time, mm-hmm. all the time. And it also makes a lot of sense why a lot of my patients are like, no, I'll be seeing you forever. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> They're like, you're never going to leave. I'm yeah. Like, but I actually, I have to. So. I'm, I might leave. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> it reminds me of. There is that Tom Hanks movie where he's in the boat with all those pirates. They come take over the boat. And they, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm the captain now. Yeah, look at yeah. me. I'm the captain now. It's always like, look at you. You're the therapist the captain, Yeah. You're my captain now. <laughs> like, uh-oh. I don't know. Like, wait. I didn't really want to be the captain. <laughs> but it explains a lot about those interactions. Definitely. Anyway, side note, if it matters to anybody, if anybody else has the same experience, one possible strategy you could use is literally to go find different healthcare providers and interview them. Yeah. Um, I would say two or three, just so that you have some kind of comparison point. Because if you can interview them before you're up shit's creek without a paddle, right. it's easier to know how they're going to respond to you. And then you're less distressed when you are in a negative situation. Mm-hmm. I know that not everything works that way. I really do get that not everybody has that kind of time. But best yeah. case situation. And sometimes people don't have that like insurance that could cover that many visits either. Yeah, this is a this is a new thing for me having insurance. Mostly, I would just be like, "Well, I am having left arm pain, I guess." Like, right? Guess I'm having a heart attack. Yay for me! I hope I don't <laughs> die. <laughs> that was like my constant motto in grad school. Like, my tooth is, is really hurting. Is this a panic attack or am I dying? <laughs> <laughs> Do I need to get my tooth out? Is this going to travel to my brain? <laughs> there were a lot of times where, yeah, I would let health conditions just go and go and go and at one point in time i don't know if you know this about me but i used to work like three jobs back in the day because i was broke mm-hmm. as a joke yeah, didn't yeah. have health care or whatever and so i just eat the baked goods from one job and the coffee from another job and mm-hmm. just like wait tables and stuff yep, and i've lived that life yeah <laughs> yeah and you're like i like 20 billion part-time jobs yeah like do i have diabetes i like there would be days where like my feet would be tingling i'm like oh no oh shit this is the this is the day or you'd get sick but you'd just go and be a super spreader somewhere because you can't can't. stay home yeah you don't have enough money to stay home yep anyway (laughs) my tales of woe and poverty the end yeah it's it's real people people don't always give credit to the, the impact of poverty and to the impact of just the struggle yeah the struggle to survive in this freaking life in this reality matrix as yes. you call it yeah i know i was gonna say it, and then i was waiting you're gonna shot shoot me down with uh, my matrix words <laughs> i'll never shoot you down for not believing in reality <laughs> I, reality is real it's the system that's the matrix yeah right on right on <laughs> oh speaking of that i took a one of those five-factor personality tests last night i'm an E-N-F-J. I'm not 100%. I'm not as good at um, industrial organizational psychology. But one of the things that it told me is my personality type is the protagonist. So basically Aragorn or Morpheus. (laughs) And I was like, (laughs) fuck yeah. (laughs) I got really excited. My other friend got like the wizard, which is the diplomat. And I was like, aw, Gandalf though. (laughs) Yeah. I got sad I wasn't Gandalf, but I'll take Morpheus. 
Hey, yeah, Morpheus is badass. Yeah, he's badass. <laughs> he's badass. Anyway, what'd you do for homework out there? Well, our homework was surrounding our relationships, and I was not about to throw a bomb into our relationship, so things were smooth, and I didn't really have an opportunity to practice, you know, the fair fighting stuff, and... But I will continue to keep that on the back burner for when when the next one arises. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> We're not even going to put that into the universe. No. Don't put that juju on me, Ricky Bobby. Right. How about you? I tried the turning towards rather than turning away when mm-hmm. I was under distress. This is incredibly difficult for me. And so I took a baby step and I just decided to basically hold my partner's hand when I was feeling stressed out. It was funny because they know me well enough that when I would hold their hand, they would be like, are you, are What's you, wrong? what is, <laughs> what are is you sad? Right like, <laughs> yeah, they're really like attuned to me trying to turn towards. So it was good. And they'd be like, oh, you got some pretty bad ba- brain worms today, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wow. The is- language you guys use with each other. I love it. Yeah. I was like, am I that sketchy? But I tried not to beat myself up. And that was as far as I got is anytime I was feeling distressed, instead of just like going away mm-hmm. like an animal to die in a corner alone. I, <laughs> That's at my least- favorite. That's <laughs> <laughs> like, Jesus, I'm like an elephant that goes to an elephant graveyard. Like, I'm just going to put myself out to pasture. <laughs> this is where I die. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I accept negative feelings so quickly or like. But yet you kind of rebuff the positive feelings. Yes, definitely. I'm always like, oh, OK, I'm dead now. I suppose that's, oh, I guess that's always how it should have been. Yeah, Eeyore. <laughs> yeah. And then I, but so this time I tried to be like, okay, maybe I could feel a different feeling. And I yeah. tried to hold a hand during that. So I, it worked out okay. I've got a lot of growth still. Yeah. Yeah. I got yeah. a lot of places to go. Fair enough. What is this next one about? We are talking about the nervous system today. What is it? Why is it important? And how can we hack it so that we can do what we want? First, let's discuss what is the nervous system. What even is a nervous system? So the nervous system is really just a collection of cells that kind of transmit messages throughout our body. They really control everything we do, think, say, and feel. Yep. Yes. They're your sensory system, essentially. And there are two, I guess, main divisions of the nervous system. Mm -hmm. There is your central nervous system, which is your brain and your spinal cord. So your spinal cord connects to your brain. Mm -hmm. And there is your peripheral nervous system, which is everything else. <laughs> right. Yeah. So altogether, I mean, it's controlling your movement, your thought, your memory, how we are interpreting our senses and events plays an essential role with even breathing, heartbeat, blinking, digestion. It's, it's all of that. Absolutely. So the primary role of the peripheral nervous system is to connect to the central nervous system. And like Michaela said, it connects signals from your organs, limbs, and skin. And the nerves come from your central nervous system to the outermost areas of your body. Mm-hmm. Uh, the PNS, the PNS, the pen- <laughs> peripheral nervous system, <laughs> kind of sounds like the penis. Yeah. <laughs> the PNS. Penis, 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 <laughs> vagina, vagina, vagina. <laughs> I had to, I'm sorry. What is that from? Varsity Blues. sorry well so much for this being pg kids (laughs) was it ever (laughs) we started that way yeah yeah, we were just actually talking about the first episode and how we were low-key real professional the first couple of episodes and then now it's just off the storm yeah Yeah. 
it's <laughs> off the rails. Anyway, the, the peripheral nervous system allows the brain and the spinal cord to get information to areas of the body and react to our environment, Yep, basically. Um, and then the peripheral nervous system is divided a little bit further into the autonomic nervous system. It's mm-hmm. not necessarily to know. You don't have to know that, but it's basically the areas that control involuntary functions like heartbeat, respiration, right. digestion. Yeah. Rest and digest. Right. Exactly. The autonomic nervous system is really a lot of what we pay attention to because that is your fight or flight or your rest and digest. Okay. They've got the parasympathetic and the sympathetic. So that's your rest and digest right. and your fight or flight response. Right. Yeah, the parasympathetic is the rest or digest. The sympathetic is fight, flight, and freeze. Yes. Because that's an option. Yes. So why is that important? Why why do we even need to know about those two branches of the nervous system and what they do for people? Well, we are able to think clearly and more blood goes to our organs and all those essential parts of our body when we're in the rest and digest. You know, our body is, is able to process and do a lot but when they're when we perceive a threat to some degree then that fight or flight kicks in and the blood goes to our extremities you know because we're about to run or kick some ass Mm -hmm. so we're not thinking as clearly we're not Mm -hmm. uh responding as diplomatically yeah that's a good way to put it yeah yeah I agree with you totally so as therapists one thing that we try to keep in mind is the way in which our biology kind of affects how we respond to things. Mm -hmm. So your central nervous system, your brain, is what's perceiving whether this is a threat or not. Right. I believe that's in the amygdala part Mm -hmm. of the brain. Yeah. Yeah. It is in the amygdala. Fun fact, I really love neuro, actually. So it may start in the amygdala, but the brain, as we know, recruits a lot of different areas. So it can mm-hmm. be, it can be negative memories in your hippocampus. It mm-hmm. could, which could connect to your limbic system, your emotion regulation system. So it, it really lights it all up for sure. But yeah. your amygdala is a little fear nug. Yeah, we're we're all of a sudden vigilant, focused, and we're just really focused on that potential threat. And again, mm-hmm. potential is the key word there because this was something that was essential for us as cavemen. You know, mm-hmm. we needed to know what was going on so we could react to that saber-toothed tiger (laughs) coming at us. Yes. Uh, It's a very essential part of responding to things. You know, say that you were getting chased by that lion and you twisted your ankle, your body's going to say, no, getting away from that lion is more important than addressing that ankle. Like, you're going to go. Yes. Yeah. So we need the fight or flight system in order to save us from real threats in our environment. The problem is, is our brain and the central nervous system perceives things Differently, but depending on the person that you are and depending Mm -hmm. on the history that you have. Yes. So certain things that are threatening to some people are not threatening to other people. Mm -hmm. It it matters how you're perceiving it. And then, again, our biology creates a fight or flight or a rest and digest response. Right. I want to just note that our modern life, the, the system matrix that we live in, is really almost set up to try to keep us in that SNS. Yeah. Keep us in that sim- sympathetic nervous system response because we get frequent technological stimuli, whether it's phone calls, texts, whatever's coming through, work deadlines, bills, crowded spaces, unfamiliar spaces. All of these things are triggering that same response as that goddamn line in the corner. 
Mm-hmm. Over and over and over yes. again. And it's normal to switch back and forth. You know, think you're sitting in a comfy chair, having some tea. You know, that's what you're rest and digest. Then you hear a loud knock at your door and you bolt up. Then you're, you know, then this uh, sympathetic takes over. So, I mean, it's normal to go back and forth, but so often we get stuck in the fight or flight and we aren't able to disconnect from that and relax ourselves so our body can digest and do those things that it needs to do to relax and function. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, you make a really good point that we are flipping back and forth between these kind of nervous system functions in the daytime. But some of us have really sensitive nervous systems, and that Mm -hmm. is for two reasons. One, it can be the way we're biologically set up. And two, we may have had some real shit go down in our past that makes our nervous system really sensitive to threats. Right. And so if you happen to have a more sensitive nervous system, constant emails, constant texts, constant communication with other people, being Mm -hmm. on the road all the time, traffic, really basic things for our modern day living can basically make like you feel like you're on fire all the time right essentially and it's really just not a good feeling right you wake up already on edge mm-hmm. I mean, you, from the point where you're supposed to be resting you're not resting you wake up unrested and just stressed and yeah so you've unintentionally actually answered the question which is how does this impact our mental health like why would this impact our mental health it's because if you are constantly in a state of fight flight or freeze then you are likely to develop a series of mental health conditions or worsen already existing mental health conditions. Yeah, and it makes sense because like we said before, you're not actually able to conceptually think about things and process all those alternative perspectives when we're in fight or flight because all we're focusing on is the problem. All we're focusing on is the threat. We're not trying to kind of get a bird's eye view perspective of the situation. We're just trying to get through this the threat. We're just trying to survive. Yeah. We're it, not thriving. We're surviving. It's a minute by minute. I actually had a patient describe it to me probably two weeks ago like this. She was saying that when she's in fight or flight, she feels like her vision becomes tunnel vision mm-hmm. and everything narrows down and all she can see is the one thing that is pissing her off or yep. stressing her out. Yep. And she can't distance herself to see like, this thing's going to pass or right. why would I react to this because it's not going to solve anything. It's just this threat in this moment, I'm going to freak out about it. Yeah. I don't want to say it's normal, but again, in, in the system that we're in, I think everyone has a little bit of a hyperactive fight or flight response. We all kind of are easily triggered. And because so many of us do experience some level of trauma, Yep. Uh, that just heightens that reaction and, and makes us even more prone to, to kind of getting stuck in that mode. And like you said, in, in the long run, what happens is you develop some kind of mental health diagnosis and even sometimes physical. We talked with the mind-body connection. Yes. You can have some heart problems, digestive problems. You can- <laughs> Yeah. People tend to ga- gain weight around yeah. their midsection, in yeah. particular kind of like belly area, because that's where the cortisol likes to hang out and mm-hmm. help you gain weight when you've got chronic fight or flight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what? It might also be good to talk to our audience really quickly about fight, flight, or freeze mm-hmm. as common responses within the sympathetic nervous system. These are common responses that people have during any kind of trauma at all. Mm -hmm. And I hear patients beat themselves up a lot because when they're experiencing trauma, they have one of these three responses and they didn't want to have it. Yeah. So, I mean, it's kind of self-explanatory, but what do you understand about the three responses? What are they like? It is kind of self-explanatory. 
fight is you are going to go aggressively at whatever that situation is. You are going to attack whatever that situation is. Mm -hmm. Verbally, physically, it doesn't matter. Whatever it it takes. You're you're going at it hard. Yep. Flight is you get the fuck out of there. You run. You You avoid. Yep. You escape. And then freeze, a little less self-explanatory. You just stay stock still, no response. Right. You shut down is really what it is. You are shutting down and just going, going numb. And really what that's doing is essentially kind of trying to limit your pain intake. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not re- you're not perceiving things anymore. You're not hearing and see. You're just kind of mm-hmm. <laughs> literally froze. Frozen. And I also say this, too. I think certain people will have responses that match um, their body type. Like I notice. So I notice women will have the freeze or flight response sometimes more often than men depending and this is just like anecdotal my theory i don't know if this is true or not my theory is that the response that your body has is probably genetic probably also based in your memories but Mm -hmm. i think part of it is what's been effective for you and what's most likely to be effective so if you're really large man or woman you may have a better luck with the fight response because you're actually going to get somewhere by threatening or intimidating. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you're a smaller person, it may be biologically easier to keep you alive if you get the hell out of there. Right. Right. Because you're not going to be successful at fighting, maybe. Or it may actually be beneficial to freeze in some situations because it mitigates the threat. Mm -hmm. So basically... Let's say I have a patient who's on a lot of meth. This okay. is this has happened before where they're kind of like they come into the lobby, they're really amped, they're mm-hmm. shouting, they have a weapon. Yes, this has happened to me before. And what it is not good to do is make a sudden movement. Oh, fuck no. You don't want to bolt and you don't want to come at this person aggressively. Right. You want to come at them in a subdued, yes, slow Yes. Calm sort of response. And that could mimic or mirror the freeze response because it's less likely to get you in harm's way. So, yeah, if you run, I mean, like a dog chasing a rabbit, right? You know, and if you you approach, well, then I'm going to fight you off because I'm escalated. Yes. So, yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, you want to kind of stand in place. So, what I want to communicate about fight, flight, or freeze is that it's actually adaptive and it sucks because we don't really get to choose which one our body does. What 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 one's your common one? That's I mean I honestly think it really depends on the situations because there are some times where I will throw down and mm-hmm. there are some times where I will freeze I think more so and there are definitely times where I run so I I really want to say I I definitely have had all responses mm-hmm. and it depends on the scenario. Does it feel under your control when I f- decide to fight? Actually, I think it overall does. Mm-hmm. So that one maybe is less of, of a, a yeah. response and yeah. more of a cognitive choice to be like, uh-uh, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Usually if so, it... Yeah, so yeah. probably for... You're right. It's you're a right. trick Fair question. Enough. It was a trick question. <laughs> you got me. Sneaky, sneaky. It's a trick question. So if it feels like it's under your control, it's probably right. not a trauma response. Fair enough. Um, you got me. <laughs> yeah, so you might have flight or freeze yes. more commonly. Um, minus fight. I punch... First, ask questions later. I have a great example. This is why we work well together. <laughs> when shit hits the fan, we'll be doing all three. Yeah, I just start throwing <laughs> kicks and punches. I'll be down the street like, Sonny, why are you still fighting? Them? Come out here. 
<laughs> I'm like, where the fuck are you, man? Yeah, it's not a it is not a choice. And frankly, given my stature, I should not be fighting anyone or anything. But my best example of this is I was coming home way, way, way past curfew as a teenager because I was, mm-hmm. you know, out doing hood, hood rat stuff with my friends. <laughs> and I did not realize it, but my dad was waiting up like oh, in the darkness. Shoot. Oh, man. <laughs> he was just sitting in our living room, like in the like darkness. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, what the hell? Because he wanted it, to sneak up on you kind of a thing. Yeah, he wanted to surprise me yeah. like, hey, sucker, I'm awake. Yeah. <laughs> so I come into the house and he from the darkness is like, Basically, like, well, 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 look who's home. Before he got through the sentence, I had, like, kicked the door, like, at him and, like, also was simultaneously throwing a punch. Fortunately, he has, you know, the flight response. And so, like, got the hell out of the way. But, like, I just get really punchy when I'm nervous. I just get really punchy and bitey. It's not my fault, guys. It's biology. <laughs> anyway, the point is, is that we can't always choose. No. And... Because those responses have been affected for us sometimes is we continue to use them when they aren't necessary. We get stuck in that pattern and in that response and we're still using those coping mechanisms and those responses when it isn't pertinent to the current environment. Like you were saying before, those memories from those past traumas or those past situations kind of invoke us to respond the same way when that response actually isn't going to help us in this situation. Yeah, absolutely. So... Basically, there are like, I guess you can imagine disorders, physical and mental, or rather we just call them responses, Mm -hmm. physical and mental that originate from this chronic arousal. So obviously a very clear one is post-traumatic stress disorder. Right. That's basically- And really any trauma or stressor related disorder. I mean, even acute stress or adjustment could potentially be- Absolutely. Related. Depression is often connected to chronic adrenaline and cortisol activation. And adrenaline and cortisol are the things that usually come up when you're in fight or flight mode all the time. Right. Things, chemicals. Yeah. Those are the chemicals in our body that that are floating around and causing a mess. Yes. Exactly. And obviously anxiety. We often also see sleep disturbance. Yeah. I was going to say insomnia, circadian rhythm, sleep-wake disorder- But like you said, all the anxiety disorders, really panic disorder, social anxiety, agoraphobia, any of the phobias, generalized anxiety, those could all potentially be related to it. Yeah. And I was thinking even like some of the dissociative disorders. Yeah. And some of the personality disorders. Yeah, absolutely. So let me back up and just really tell the audience really quick. So when we talk about mood disorders, what we mean is anxiety and depression, anything related to anxiety and depression. And- so going back, agoraphobia, kind of like fear of leaving the house, mm-hmm. um, sociophobia, panic disorders, a lot of times related to exposure to social situations. Right. Dissociative disorders are usually trauma reactions. These things all – and then insomnias obviously are related to nervous system arousal. Right. I also wanted to mention, too, there are a huge amount of physical health concerns that I see originating, and you said this earlier, from the active fight, flight, or freeze response. Mm -hmm. And a lot of my patients will come in with some sort of mental health condition that is paired with a physical health condition. Oh, yes. So you guys can go all the way back to episode one and listen to that, where we talk about how physical health and mental health go hand in hand. Yep. Yeah. And this is why, because of the nervous system arousal. It is. Yeah. What are the most common physical health things you see? Most ones that I see, I think, are are the heart problems, digestive problems, and like the weight problems and the 
diabetic mm-hmm. problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> It's funny. I think I said in a previous episode that I thought irritable bowel syndrome. I just called it nervous poops. But that's uh, but that's legit. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, I just have nervous poops. And somebody later was like, yeah, you have IBS, homie. Yes. And, <laughs> and that is related to your fight or flight. I also wanted to say erectile dysfunction, female sexual interest arousal disorder. Those are in the DSM as well. And those could also be related to overactive because our libido is down. You know, if we're about to run away, kick some ass or, you know, freeze, we're not interested in sex. (laughs) No, no, no. So that could also be related too. Not even could. Definitely. Absolutely is related. (laughs) Fair enough. Absolutely. A hundred billion percent is related. When somebody comes to me with a sexual issue, I usually am like, okay, what are your- What's your trauma stuff? Yeah. What's your trauma stuff? And what are your current day-to-day stressors like? Because usually when you eliminate stress, people get like real in the mood. (laughs) Like suddenly they they go on vacation and like, everybody looks good. (laughs) (laughs) Like, wow. So yeah, stress related reactions do impact sexual functioning. Yeah. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Hey, man, that was a really good catch. That was a really good one. In fact... Oh, guys, this week alone, I got to basically have a sex ed talk with like three or four people. Don't you love it? Oh, my God. And you I guys, got to- the amount of times that we talk about sex, poop, just the things that you don't necessarily think talk about, like therapy, yeah. literally everything. Yeah. Everything. Yeah can be discussed. Yeah. Yeah. This is this is part of it. And if you can't talk about this with your therapist and get a new therapist, it's yeah. it's good you need to, to feel comfortable to talk about whatever is bothering you. Yeah. On that note, since we've already said penis and vagina so many times this episode, <laughs> the a couple of the patients that I I used to okay. I used to run a group that was I'm gonna try and keep it confidential, but basically like a heart wellness group. Mm-hmm. And one common thing that happens, it was mostly men, and one common thing that happens when men have heart wellness issues mm-hmm. are, is there are erectile dysfunction issues. Yes. And we had to talk about like, okay, how do we sustain an erection after heart issues? And one of the most common topics I had to talk about was how else can you enjoy sex without having an erection the entire time? And I have to tell you, the amount of people who do not know what the, what the clitoris is, is <laughs> buck wild it is buck wild and to a person the people that i was working with were like wait what is this magical thing you're telling me about it does what for people i should be touching it (laughs) question mark question mark question mark and people would get like really mad that they didn't know about it it. yeah and really sad for people who have one who weren't experiencing the good times that they could have been it was actually a very sweet i'm convinced a lot of problems in this world are just educational issues oh definitely and shaming it's shaming certain things you know you talk about losing your virginity that should never be what it's called. It should be my called my first sexual experience. Oh, I like because that. Because you're not losing anything. You didn't lose anything. Just gaining you're experience. Gaining experience. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Verbiage matters. The it way does. we talk about verbiage, people. And sex yep. is always shamed on a feminine perspective. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so, so sad. Yeah. yeah. It's so sad. We should we should be able to talk about all this. Anyway, went off anyway, on a tangent there. Yeah, so so yeah, so you could get poor digestion, indigestion, constipation, shallow breathing, increased heart rate, poor sleep, breathlessness, decreased libido, chronic fatigue, muscle tension, increased inflammation, susceptibility to illnesses, you know, infections. Those are all things that can happen from 
chronic, yeah, yeah, chronic nervous system arousal. Yep. <laughs> you sounded like one of those like commercials, commercials, Lipitor or whatever. Here's all the things that are gonna have side effects. <laughs> yeah, this med it will fix one thing, otherwise it will fuck you up. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I I would say too, like the most common things I see are chronic pain. Yeah. An exacerbation basically of issues like shingles, psoriasis, arthritis, Mm -hmm. epilepsy. You name the health condition, it's almost always associated with nervous system arousal. So how can you tell if you are a person who's constantly in fight or flight mode? Check for yourself for those things we just talked about. Yeah. You know, are, are you constantly fatigued? Are you maybe not interested in sex for a long time? Do you feel like you're not sleeping very well? Or when you do sleep, you're like restless or you're getting night sweats. Mm-hmm. Um, Headaches, hair falling oh, out. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Skin issues. My <laughs> Acne. Acne. Freaking acne. Acne. It's supposed to be only in your teen years, I thought, growing up. Yeah. Nope, it's forever, guys. Yeah. That's <laughs> that was a lie. <laughs> yeah. I think for me, my biggest bit of information that I'm in fight or flight mode is I just get really irritable and short. Mm. Just got just a bad temper. True. That's yeah. that's definitely probably my first indicator as well as as my frustration. If yeah. I'm even mildly frustrated, it's already activated and my blinders are starting to go up. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So some ways for you guys to tell if you're having that experience. And I wanted to kind of point out that there are some skills that you can use to see if you can downshift mm-hmm. your nervous system, so to speak. I know that in the world we currently live on, live on i mean kind of if you live on this planet (laughs) (laughs) if you live in a western technologically advanced culture what a lot of times that you experience will bring your nervous system up it's just something you can't get around but there are some ways to downregulate. so right before you can even downregulate, is checking yourself and noticing that back to that awareness that we kept talking about in all those other episodes if you can take a moment and notice damn i'm frustrated damn my stomach has all up in knots. Damn, mm-hmm. <laughs> this mm-hmm. thing's happening. That's your cue. Damn, I'm sighing all the time because I'm frustrated. I'm not even acknowledging my frustrating, but my brain knows it needs more oxygen. So it keeps sighing like a mother trucker. Mm-hmm. My biggest physical tell is I start to like rub my temples. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like I think my resident probably got to a point where I started to rub my temples and close my eyes and they just like slowly They're back like, oh, out of the room. Man. Like, oh no, she's going to flip shit. <laughs> I feel sometimes like Dr. Cox and Scrubs, like I just (laughs) could barely keep my life together. Anyway. Uh, The first one that I always think of is just deep breathing. Yep. I know we've talked about it before, but it really is one of the best things that we can do to get more oxygen to our brain and to calm that nervous system down. Mm -hmm. It re-engages that frontal cortex, which is the higher, more conceptual part of our brain, uh, thinking part of our brain. Mm -hmm. So we can respond instead of react. Right. We can also... Well, you know what's interesting was we could pair the deep beat breathing with some aromatherapy. Oh, yeah. Right? That's an option. Some Smelly smells. Good old smelly smells. Some lavender, some citrus to kind mm-hmm. of get you in the right head I sprays. Yeah. And usually it'll make your central nervous system, your brain, think of something positive to mm-hmm. pair it with a positive smell. So you get two types of feedback, central nervous system and peripheral nervous system feedback. You could also try different complementary and alternative medicines like biofeedback, which mm-hmm. is where you 
take your heart rate, then do a breathing skill and then see your heart rate after the breathing skill, let's say. Yeah. You do something relaxing and then see some type of biomarker afterwards. It can be as simple as heart rate. It can be muscle tension Mm -hmm. to feel what it's like to feel actually relaxed, like when you're doing it right. Yeah. Take a bath. Hot bath. Listen to some really calming music. Sail away, sail away, sail away. I don't know if I know that one. Enya? (laughs) Who? Enya? Oh, I don't. Duh! All right, you're gonna have to tell me later. <laughs> My God, I just want to like dub Enya over this, but I'm afraid. <laughs> I'm really afraid that I'll get in trouble for something yeah, like that. Some copyright law, we'll get in trouble for it. <laughs> yeah, she's like some Irish singer who sings the most soothing tones mm. I've ever heard in my life. Maybe she's Scottish. I'll have to. I'll play it for you after yeah, this episode. We'll check it out. Doing some kind of meditation or progressive muscle relaxation. Yep. Exercise also downregulates the yes. peripheral nervous system. And so it any kind of shakes out that buildup of tension. You know, if we since we are in it so often, we do just kind of store all of that in our bodies. And I think we kind of talked about that in previous episodes. But if you exercise, you are you're shaking it out. Yeah. I also is speaking of apparently we're talking about sex a lot this time, but having an orgasm is another way to <laughs> just like hard stop. <laughs> <laughs> that will no pun intended. Hehe. <laughs> I am immature. Well, honestly, it is one way to just completely shift the system down. That's another possibility. Don't get too addicted to shifting down in that way, though. Right. You need to have a variety of tools on that tool belt. If that's your only one, then I will see you later in sex offender school. Yeah. Right on. Right on. It is one possibility. But not the only possibility. (laughs) Um, Another thing is, I don't know if I mentioned massage or acupuncture. No. Yeah, those are, yep. But those are both ways to physically downregulate. A lot of these are all us talking about ways to kind of backdoor hack your physical Mm -hmm. fight or flight response, fight, flight, or freeze response. But there's also um, other ways, which is... You can try to challenge your negative thinking patterns. Oh, yeah. Challenge your memories, challenge thought stopping, acceptance skills. Those are all more central nervous system, your brain. Right. And I would say that with every single one of those kind of thinking patterns, you're going to probably need to take some deep breaths before you're actually able to truly think it through. Because again, while that sympathetic nervous system is is running the, the gambit, you aren't going to be able to challenge those thoughts very effectively. You're just going to reinforce probably what you're thinking. So you really do need to take that moment to pause and breathe before you really start to deeply challenge. Yeah. I think if you are if you are a good therapist or you have a good therapist, one of the things that you can do best for clients is attack both fronts. Mm-hmm. Make sure that you are trying to downrate regulate this person's peripheral and central nervous system, help their brain understand or interpret their environment differently, Mm -hmm. but also physically calm their body down. Yeah, yeah. I think that is a common trap that a lot of people fall in with with therapists or within therapy is the therapist is only teaching them one set of skills instead of both. Yeah, you have to because what will happen is let's say you just calm your body down. Well, if your thinking patterns haven't changed. Right. You'll or, keep, keep repeating. Yeah. yeah. Like if you keep ruminating about the future or the past or whatever, it will just hype back up again. Right. Same with if you change your – it's harder to change thinking patterns or to interpret things differently when you're physically all wrapped Elevated. up. Yeah. Yeah. 
I was talking to a patient this week and I called it basically a nervous system hack. We're just going to, we, so like temperature change, for example, like how you talked about taking a hot bath, Mm -hmm. a temperature change forces your heart rate to come down, Mm -hmm. forces your respiration to deepen and forces your muscles to relax. And so a lot of times what happens from the body is it'll be like, oh, I'm behaving as if I'm relaxed right now? Question mark, question mark, question mark. And so the brain will be like, I am relaxed. Yeah. (laughs) And remind yourself too, if if you are somebody who's really been stuck in this mode for a while, it's going to feel a little uncomfortable actually to Mm -hmm. relax. It's going to, you're going to feel like, no, I need to be on edge. I need to be aware. I need to know what's going on. Mm. It, It can be difficult to relax yourself. So think of it like it's, it's a, martial arts you know you're trying to train your body to relax so it can take some time to build that muscle memory where you're like this is okay i'm gonna be okay it is okay and safe to relax right now Mm -hmm. and i think one thing i hear really commonly from patients and this is actually a cognitive error that i make myself a lot is if i relax then i will miss something in my environment that's Mm going to hurt me so i have to worry Yep, I have to be stressed and I have to be on my game and on edge. Otherwise, I'm going to miss something. Right. We actually know that's factually untrue. So I think I've talked about on this podcast, the Yerkes-Dodson curve, where we want people in the optimal level of anxiety. If you're on too low of a level of anxiety, then you don't give a shit about anything. You don't notice anything. If you're too high, then like you were saying earlier, you get tunnel vision and you can't see the whole picture. So even though you're trying to catch every little thing and trying to be aware of every little thing, you're actually shooting yourself in the foot. Mm -hmm. You're aware of a lot less. If you downregulate a little bit, you hang out in that center area, you're picking up a lot more. So relaxing is actually more efficient as well, which makes – I have to hear that. Yeah, it feels like it's not. When we're used to responding in this way and we've been trained that this is the only way that we should be responding, Mm -hmm. it feels uncomfortable and it feels like we are going to miss things. But you're right. Mm -hmm. When our blinders are on, we're missing things. Yeah. (laughs) Whether Whether we want to acknowledge it or not, we are. Yeah. And it's if you're talking to people like the rabbit over here who needs to be doing something 24 (laughs) seven, what is really convincing to them to hear is like, actually, you're not that efficient. Right. If you're doing things 24 seven and you're more efficient if you rest. Yes. That's a really needs that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really nice thing to hear. Yeah. (laughs) So whoever needs to hear that right now, take a chill pill, my dudes. Right. Go pet your animal. That can help too. Mm -hmm. get some snuggles and cuddles in. Get a hug. That physical contact actually really does regulate that emotion if you just lean in and hug somebody. Yeah. There's some good research about forest bathing, where Mm -hmm. if you go into the forest, you dampen all of the other sensory responses so you don't have that white noise in the background of vehicles driving around, people talking to you, you being on your phone, whatever. And so it just leaves you in a space of- Right. No technology, just nature. Mm-hmm. It that can also downregulate your nervous system. Anything I mean, being by the ocean, again, there's good research about the sounds of running and flowing water or right. waves. That can help. And doing grounding skills or mindfulness skills are really effective too. We want to be talking about the different types of mindfulness for people because right. there's about a billion types. Like you can do any kind of mindfulness, but you guys are going to have to listen to the next episode nice to learn about that because Michaela's setting me up for an alley-oop, which I love. This yeah. is why we're partners. <laughs>
You are the expert on it, man. How long was the training that you did? A year. Yeah, guys. She's she knows this shit. It was a year. In Azkaban. No, it I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I did my waiting. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what do you want to do for outside of pod experiment related to nervous system? I've I've got my homework cut out for me. I think that I need to do a little just more body scans, some check-ins, some of that mindfulness stuff where I'm just doing a scan to say, am is my central nervous system activated? Yeah. Because I do run around with my blinders on a lot and I'm just doing the do, doing the do, doing the do, and then, then the day is done. I'm like, what the fuck just happened today? <laughs> <laughs> I need a rewind. I, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I, I want to do more frequent. Actually, not just more frequent because I freaking hardly ever do them. I just want to do some body scans from time to time. Like at all. At all. <laughs> Goal is like getting one, man. Yeah, yeah. Hey, hey. This Start start small. Yeah, start small. I, I want to do a similar thing. I often work in the realm of the cortical. Like I try to change my thoughts a lot. I try to challenge thinking patterns. I try to stay present mindfully. But that all means shit when I'm not attending to my body, which I have mentioned before I have a really hard time with. Mm-hmm. I'm really in my crown chakra, you guys. I'm really kind of a third eye sort of a person. Just kidding. Just kidding. But maybe really. <laughs> <laughs> kidding, but serious. <laughs> so what I really need to be doing is checking into my peripheral nervous system. And I'm going back to hot baths, everybody. I'm Aww, yeah. kicking it 1800 style and it. hot bath in it all day, every day, because that turns it down for me. Will you light a candle and throw some salt in there too? Absolutely, I will. You don't even need to convince me. A little Epsom salt never hurt anybody. Yep. For those muscle aches. So, Michaela, I wanted to throw some at you. Oh, gosh. Why does the brain experience so much anxiety? Why? Because it's part of the nervous system. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, Oh, my God. I'm... (laughs) I was like, yeah, it is. I don't understand. <laughs> I didn't even pick up on the jokes. I was like, yeah, it's part of the nervous system. Oh, my God. I'm so sneaky today, everybody. <laughs> uh, Where my brain is just not connected. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no, no your no, brain no, is no. not part of your nervous system. <laughs> oh, no, no, cat. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we're looking forward to talking to you about mindfulness next week. And uh, yeah, catch you on the flippity flip. Flippity flop. Bye. Bye.